Hey everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities to just people who bring their cars to car shows and cruise nights. I'm Randy Cardoon, and first off, are you listening to us on iTunes? Don't forget to subscribe to our iTunes page. It's simple, it's absolutely free, plus you'll be notified when a brand new podcast is uploaded. And if you like what we're doing, take a moment to rate us and give us a review. You can like us on SoundCloud and on our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also check us out on YouTube. This week on Talking About Cars, we welcome Dave Majors, the CEO of Meekum Auctions. Meekum recently signed a new deal to broadcast their events on NBCSN. I caught up with Dave in Anaheim, California, sitting in an environmentally friendly Porsche 918, a plug-in hybrid with a 4.6-liter V8, 608 metric horsepower, with an additional 279 horses thanks to two electric motors. Total horsepower, 887. Oh, yeah, and it's worth, the car, about a million five. This is about as good as it gets, and, and uh, it's environmentally friendly. It's a green car. You can't get any better than that, huh? Yeah, and, and notice they're smart enough not to leave us the keys or tell us where the push button is so we can yeah. uh, take it for a joyride. And we're not thing. smart enough to figure out how to get it started <laughs> otherwise. So I noticed, though, this must be the economy version because there's no paint. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And if you notice the seats, the yeah. seats, no leather. But yeah. they say it's really light. We just have this cheap carbon fiber and the, <laughs> and the matte black paint. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, yeah. the matte black wrap or the whole thing. You know, you one know. of my best days was uh, when we were in Monterey uh, last August. We had sitting side by side by side the three most environmentally friendly hot cars ever to exist. We had a uh -huh. McLaren P1 and the LaFerrari and a 918 just like this. Wow. It just, we, I'm, how does, how does it get any better than that? And the gas companies don't have to worry, and we don't have to worry about taking it to a gas station to fill up all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. know, when you started doing this five years ago, did you dream that you'd be involved with cars like this? I mean, you're a car guy, yeah. but did you imagine you'd be so close to vehicles like these? Not not of this caliber. You know, when when we think about collector cars, I always think about the, the 60s and 70s, American muscle cars. My first car was a 65 Mustang, so mm -hmm. I grew up, you know, thinking about Mustangs and uh, I, I never envisioned that we would uh, grow Meekum Auctions to, to start to include cars like this 918. And now we're actually giving serious consideration to having an entire auction that's nothing but high-end exotics. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Take me back to your first car experience, the cars, let's say, your folks were driving when you first started looking and noticing classic cars. Well, my dad and I uh, restored a 1927 Chevrolet pickup truck when I was 14. Uh, probably the worst restoration job ever known to exist on an antique car. I think it might have looked better as a rusted pile of parts than it okay. did when we finally got it put together. But Where did you find it? Uh, my dad found it from a friend of his that uh, actually had had it in a barn for quite a, quite a long time. Ah, so one that, of the original barn finds. Yeah, that, that started my, uh, my interest in cars. I think my, my uncles were mechanics, my grandfather owned a dealership, my dad always had uh, more cars than we needed, and so I come by it naturally. Very cool. So first car you ever drove? Um, unfortunately, the first car I ever drove was a 1960 Austin Healey Sprite, 
uh, that uh, my dad bought when I was uh, 14, and it was going to be my first car when I was 16. Uh-oh, I was saying something and, uh, terrible about well, to happen. Well, it wasn't to leave the garage, but my uh, parents both worked during the day, and my uh, friend and I got home one day from school and decided we'd take it out for a little spin. Ruh-roh. And we uh, opened the doors, jumped in the car, and I backed out of the garage and had forgotten to close the driver's door and tore the door off oh. the car. And you know, there's no way to put that back together before no. your dad gets home. No. So, so I they drove didn't have it, duct tape back then. No, <laughs> I, I drove it about 20 feet, and uh, my dad was so happy with what I'd done. He sold the car, and I never actually got to drive oh, it. Oh man! Yeah. So, how much longer then was it before you got that Mustang? Uh, when I turned 16, I bought the Mustang, and it was. I, I still look for that car again today, like we all do. You know. Probably 70% of the people here are looking for the car they had in high school or the one they wanted in high school and Isn't couldn't it afford. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful maroon uh, 289 automatic white interior, white convertible top. Still my favorite car of all time of anything I've ever owned. Is that the one you took to the prom? Uh, yeah, it probably was, as I recall. Yeah. And the girl you took to the prom? Uh, I can't mention that name. Okay. Uh, I've been married. I've been married 37 years and. Uh, I think we'll just leave it at that. Okay, we'll just we'll just move <laughs> I, right on. I'd to like to episode. make it to 38 if we I could. completely get that. I completely get yeah. that. So, what's in your garage right now? Um, I I tend to be uh, more interested in the uh, the exotics like this. So I've I have a, uh, a Lamborghini Gallardo. Uh, Ferrari F430, and uh, probably my favorite car that I own right now is a Mercedes SLS Gullwing. Mm -hmm. Just a beautiful car to drive, and it's you know not only is it a is it a hot car, you know with a lot of power, a lot of quickness, but it's a car you could get in and drive a thousand miles in the day and still be comfortable in it. Absolutely. So what was the car that got you involved in the exotics? Because obviously somewhere down the line there was something you saw and you went, oh my gosh. Yeah. Open your eyes. Well, you know, probably like everybody else, it started when, you know, you're just a kid and it's the car you had on your wall on the poster. Mm -hmm. And Lamborghinis were always the car that I thought was, you know, probably about the coolest thing that anybody could ever have. So the, uh, the Lamborghini Countach was the one that uh, I would say really got me interested in exotics. Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity years ago uh, to buy a Countach, an anniversary edition, red. Uh, at the time, I, you know, didn't really have the money. It was really going to stretch me. I decided not to. And today, that same car sells for about five times what I could have oh, bought yeah. it for 10, 15 years ago. Wow! But that's uh, that's probably the car that you know I always have in the back of my mind. That's you know probably from a design perspective and sound and drivability and speed is probably the best car that's been manufactured. You mentioned that now Mecham Auctions is more into the exotics, or bringing them in more and more. Uh, how did that decision-making process come about? Were you in Involved in that? Did you bring that up, or was that something that Dana wanted to do? Well, we, you know, we grew up uh, cutting our teeth on on Corvettes and American muscle cars in '60s and '70s, and and that's still the bread and butter of what we do. Um, but it, our our auction in Monterey, California, has tended to to become um, uh, pretty heavily concentrated with the high end exotics, and we've done very very well with that. Mm -hmm. But that auction still is a mix of pre-war, of American muscle cars, of Corvettes, 
Um, we've done so well with the exotics over the last couple of years in Monterey at Pebble Beach at the concourse that uh, we decided maybe there's an opportunity for us just to have an auction that, uh, that focuses exclusively on that. Mm-hmm. And we've been thinking about you know, doing that, how it might fit into our schedule, and where we might do something like that. When you market these uh, auctions, sometimes, you know, you're here in Anaheim. I'd imagine what sells here in Anaheim doesn't necessarily sell as much as in Kissimmee or or Monterey, because you had mentioned in Monterey it goes a certain way. Uh, Talk a little bit about how you tend to market certain vehicles for certain locations. Well, we we have a a group of uh, about 10 consignment agents, and so all of the cars are consigned as incoming calls. We don't actually go out and, and, and try to solicit consignments for our auctions. They come to us naturally. And our consignment agents will help a consigner figure out where's the best place to take that car, depending on what it is. A great example of that, uh, two weeks ago we were in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we're in Dallas uh, once a year. We're in Houston once a year. Mm-hmm. Great place for vintage pickup trucks, as, as you might imagine. So you know when we see really nice vintage pickup trucks, uh, we try to talk with the uh, the consigner about maybe taking that to Dallas. We come to to Anaheim. Um, hot rods do very well. Resto mods do very well. Um, Twenty one window Volkswagen buses yeah. with surfboards on top do absolutely. very well. Absolutely. Uh, places like uh, Indianapolis, uh, Kissimmee, uh, those are American muscle car havens. And so um, we don't always have you know. It's not an exact science, right? Uh, but we do try to counsel and coach consigners to, to do the best job we can to market their car in the best environment. Do I, if I understood you correctly, let's say Dallas, you talk about pickup trucks. Would pickup trucks also be big in Houston because it is Texas? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that whole region is certainly into a, into a right. pickup truck scenario. That whole thing is interesting. How did you get to the point where you were doing what you were doing and then came over to Mika? Because that was what you said five years ago? Yeah. I, was, uh, I spent 35 years in the insurance business. Um, my, my background, my training, I have a degree in accounting, I'm a CPA, I have a master's degree in finance, uh, and I worked in a lot, of, a lot of the various finance functions with a very large insurance company, national insurance company, mm-hmm. uh, the last 10 years as CFO of the, of the company. And I've known Dana for uh, probably about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Dana and I would talk on occasion about you know various things that he had going on in his business, and mm-hmm. uh, he'd been in the business for 24, 25 years, and it was really starting to take off about 2008, 9, 10. And uh, I'd go to the auctions and talk with Dana, and Dana called me up one day and said, you know, this business has really taken off, and and I, I don't really want to be a business guy. I want to buy and sell cars. And he said, so why don't you come and work with me and you run the business side and, and I'll do the buying and selling of cars and we'll both be happy. And um, after giving it thought, um, I've always wanted to be in the car business since I was you know, probably 14. And so it seemed like a, a great opportunity for me. Now, I will tell you that uh, after 35 years in insurance with the same company, and as CFO for a company with 6,000 employees, which is a pretty good position. When you go home and tell your wife you've decided you're gonna <laughs> quit that job and go sell used cars, it's an interesting conversation. It must have been. <laughs> How did job. that go? Well, honey, uh, let me explain what I'm thinking about. You tell me what you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I think I almost had to, uh, to go take some kind of a cognitive exam. <laughs> I think she wanted to test me, but she's, we're, we're very happy with the decision. I've, I love working with Dana. I love being around cars. Um, It's just a great second career for me. Of all the cars you've had, and you've had a bunch, 
over your history of, of vehicles, what's the one car you look back at and think, man, I wish I could get that car back? 1973 Grand Torino Sport. Starsky and Hutch car, white with a blue laser stripe, 351 Cleveland. And I look for them, that I look for that identical car at every auction. When I see it, there's, it, you know, it's not going to matter what the price tag is. The problem with those cars is they, you know, they were used up and taken to the junkyard, and it costs you more to restore one than you mm -hmm. could sell it for. And so I've only seen one in five years. Now you said white with a blue stripe. White with a blue laser stripe. Okay. Yeah. I've seen one brown one with a yellow stripe, and I thought about maybe I could buy it and repaint it, but uh -huh. the interior was brown and the interior of mine was blue, and that's a little more problematic. You ever tempted to like get a private detective or something like that and start seeking your old one? Like, for example, do you still have some of the paperwork from your old one? You know, I, I don't know. I might have. I should go. I have, I have boxes of paperwork from the last 40 years. I probably should go through that. And it'd be nice to have the, the exact serial number for that car, the uh -huh. VIN, and see if you could locate that, that specific VIN. I keep thinking of that ad from Chevrolet years ago where the kids got dad, yeah. his old 65 Impala, and the tears are coming down, and yeah. they tracked it down. And I keep thinking, you know, that that theoretically can be doable for some really good private eye. Yeah. And, and we all know that, you know, most of these people here, car collecting and, and collectible cars is as much about emotion True. as it is about value and price. And, you know, there are people that spend twice as much restoring a car that they're just in love with, knowing someday they're going to sell it for half of what they have in it. It's just, True. it's the way our business works. We had a, uh, one of my favorite stories, and, it, and, it's, and it's about the emotion in the collector car hobby. Uh, we sold a car uh, a year and a half ago in Seattle, Washington, a 1970 Hemi Cuda convertible for three and a half million dollars. The gentleman that sold the car had a three and a half million dollar reserve on the car, and in the middle of the auction, as the as the bids are approaching the reserve, he decides he really doesn't want to sell the car because he's emotionally attached to it, and the car gets to reserve itself, and the crowd just goes nuts because I, I think. It's even today is the highest priced American muscle car that's ever been sold. And he is the only one in the crowd that's, that is visibly upset when everybody else is cheering. And at the end of the auction, the cars leave the block and they go out to what we call a step and repeat, which is just a Meekum screen that we take pictures of cars in. Okay. And the car's parked at the step and repeat. And he starts at the back of the car on the passenger side and walks up to the passenger window and leans in the car and says something to the car. He, he, we have no audio, so we don't know what he says, but he's talking to the car. And as he turns to leave, he exits by the back end of the car, and as he's walking by, he reaches up and pats it on the back of the hood. So that's an emotional attachment. This is wow. a guy that, that you know, has three and a half million dollars coming in his pocket. It doesn't matter to him. It's, it's, he's attached to that car and he's just let it, let it go and he's very disappointed about it. So what was your story then with the Torino? It's just, it's the car that I had uh, late in high school and, and early in college. It's, it was a hot car, it was an automatic and I could bark the tires every time it shifted. Um, it was just a, it was just a beautiful car. You know, sometimes you just, you just fall in love with the, with the look of a car. And, and to me that's the, I've, I've probably had 40 cars in my life. Mm -hmm. That's certainly not the most expensive one, but the one that I would want back if I could get it back. And you know, once you have it, then you start remembering 
all of the things that happened in that car, some of which I probably shouldn't mention. <laughs> I was just going to say, okay, what's your best memory in the Torino? Oh, no. Maybe I, I better Yeah, not. we probably shouldn't go there. Let's just rewind back to your wife again. Okay, I got yeah, it completely. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's great. So what's the car that you have most in your mind? And we all have these lists. We all have the list of top five cars that if we had all the disposable income, or, or not even all the disposable income, but just something that was one, two, three, four, five. What's number one on your list of cars that you would want someday? Well, that you know, I think being being an exotic uh, car lover, um, everybody is attracted by the vintage Ferraris, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I'd hate to say that I, I'd like to have a 250 GTO because those are um, probably well out of uh, collectively if we put all of our money together right. here, our, our pay grades. Yeah, probably we have to live uh, it. But um, some of the Berlinettas, I, you know, right now it, it, it's it's always not necessarily the most expensive car, but I really like the 308s, the mm -hmm. Ferrari 308s. I like the 512 BBIs, um, and, it, and it becomes more about styling than anything else. Um, I've never been a big Porsche person, but... You know, this would look nice this in my garage. This, this is not bad <laughs> I, at all. If I had to, I could do this. Uh, the uh, again, going back to our Monterey auction, uh, the La Ferrari is is probably one of the coolest cars you would ever see. And on that subject, I, of all the places that Meekum does auctions, which city might be? known for having most curious tastes in vehicles or maybe something a little off the beaten path is there a place like that the cars that you would never expect to be very popular in certain locations yeah well um, we see some strange cars here in anaheim mm -hmm. on occasion and uh, we have the uh, flintstone mobile here from uh, oh. from viva rock vegas that sold yesterday how much did that go for Do you uh, it sold for six thousand dollars six thousand uh, dollars a funny story i took a picture of it yesterday and i sent it to my friends at dodge who uh -huh. is one of our major sponsors and i said uh, I didn't know you guys were going to introduce the 2017 Dodge Ram at Meekum Auctions. You should have let me know. So the response I got back was, our marketing people would cringe. Oh, my. You, now, what is the person that's going to buy it do with something like that? I, do they... The gentleman that bought it, and it actually is a working vehicle. It has a, uh, I think it was an Isuzu frame and motor. So you can actually get it in and drive it. I doubt that it's necessarily street legal. Oh. But he said he was going to take it home and park it on his farm and let his grandkids play on it. Oh, how cool. Yeah, so for $6,000, he got a great toy for his grandkids. I mean, I was expecting to see it down the 405 freeway, and all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden what, kind of, what kind of shoes do you have to have to do the Barney Rebel stop on yeah. it? Because you got, you know, it says on the side of the car, it's four heel power. Four? <laughs> yeah. That's right, because you have to have at least two people yeah. up front, a person to side. I, I would say at every auction that we go to, you know, a typical auction for us is a thousand cars, three days. Mm -hmm. And pretty much every place you go, you're going to see four or five real curiosities. And then, of course, when we go to Kissimmee, Florida, we have 3,000 cars over 10 days. And mm. you'll see more than a handful of... Um, you know, what was the guy thinking? <laughs> what, well, on that line, what were some of the odder cars you remember selling at a, at a Meekum Auctions event? I mean, obviously, movie prop cars are always interesting. Yeah, well, the, I think the, probably the most interesting one that I saw was the, uh, I, I think it was called the Suburban Truckster, the uh, oh. Vacation. Yeah, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, yeah, we had that car, I believe it might have been here last year. Um, that was... Family you know, Truckster. Family Truckster, family that's truckster, it. That's I remember it. That. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's always fun to, to see those cars cross the block, cars that you've seen in the movies. And, you know, Viva Rock, Rock, Rock Vegas is um, a movie car. Those, you know, that's a fun car to see. So, I, I you know, probably for me, because I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, National Lampoon Vacation movies, that, that was probably the... The high, complete with luggage, by the way, on top of the car. Right. Oh, did it come with luggage? It didn't on have Ann Edna on top, but it did have like. <laughs> well, it actually did at the time when they were displaying it. It had a rocking chair with a with a towel over a dummy sitting on top of the car. So, <laughs> I wonder is that going to make it more expensive or less expensive to have Ann Edna on the top? Yeah, uh, I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it particularly brought top dollar. The, those cars are more fun to see. They're not necessarily of great value because you know what do you do with it? Well, on the subject of movies, Movies. What was the one movie that you remember that's an obvious car that, that attracted you to that movie? When you think of movie cars, for example, what's the first car you think of? I, I would say uh, the 65 Corvette from Route 66. Now, I'm showing age a bit. Oh, okay. I'm that's a TV show. A that was a TV show right. back in the mid-60s. and um, you know That's kind of where I fell in love with Corvettes. Mm -hmm. I, I still love 65 Corvettes. Who else was on that show? I don't even remember that. I'm getting too old. Sometimes I don't remember my name. <laughs> <laughs> and the top car from a movie that you remember? Top car from a movie? Um, probably James Bond movie. Uh, it was a uh, 1984 Lotus Esprit. Oh. White that turned into a submarine. Now, how cool would that be yeah. to have? And, and it wasn't just like an amphibious car. It was a very cool submarine, too. Uh -huh. That's probably, I would say that's the, that's the one I remember the most. The and, I, and because of that, for years, I looked for an 84 Lotus Esprit. I actually uh, bought one at one time, probably 15 years ago, up in Vancouver. I was so excited about it. They were going to put it on the train and ship it to me. And at the last minute, I decided that I was going to hire somebody in Vancouver just to go look it over for me to make sure, sure it's sure. as it was advertised. It was it was uh, the owner was an old Formula One racer, mm -hmm. and uh, he did a look over the car for me and unfortunately sent me back a note and said it was down a cylinder and the frame was cracked. So uh, I ended up not buying the car and never really got back to to, to buying that Esprit. I have a I, I've since bought a Lotus, but not an Esprit. Well, did you check to at least the obvious thing to find out how much it would cost to do the underwater conversion? Yeah, I was I was kind of in uh, up to my neck with what I was paying for the car. I didn't have any room to, to do an underwater conversion or an overhaul of the engine, either one. That's wild. Yeah. That is a lot of fun. Just a couple of quick questions. I, you know, I always wonder about with your business and the fact that at one time, if I understand correctly about Mecham history, they expanded a lot, then they kind of contracted a little bit to concentrate. Do you foresee? Mecham expanding again, or do you see them pretty much staying with the amount of uh, shows that they do? Because the popularity of these shows, I mean, when you think of Mecham and the other guys yeah. that are also doing the shows, they're all over television. You guys have the NBCSN deal, which was brilliant, and the fact that and the fact that people are just gravitating towards cars more and more. Yeah, it's it's we really really think we're picking up steam, and what I enjoy seeing are our young people at the auctions. It's you know the demographic for years and years has been uh, post 55 mm -hmm. male, 
we're starting to see a lot of females that are both buying and selling cars and we're starting to see a lot of 30s and 40 year olds that are coming to our auctions and I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, the NBC uh, Sports Network uh, TV exposure which by the way I signed a new five-year deal with NBC Sports so we're gonna be on NBC Sports for a long time to come now mm -hmm. uh, we're continuing to expand but we're expanding not only horizontally but uh, vertically we We've grown uh, four years ago, I believe, we did eight shows, mm -hmm. eight car shows, and that was pretty much the extent of our offerings. Uh, next year we will do 14 car events. Uh, we will have two antique motorcycle events, which we got into two years ago. Mm -hmm. We'll do four antique tractor events, which we've been doing now for a couple of years. Wow. And what's really uh, You broadcast growing, antique tractor events. On the RFD network. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's really started to grow for us is what we call road art. It's the uh, neon signs, old road signs, uh, gas pumps, mm -hmm. oil cans. And we're, we, we just had a um, road art auction uh, in our offices in Walworth, Wisconsin in October. Uh, we sold a 48-inch double-sided uh, gas sign, Musco gas sign, for $235,000. So there's a, there, it, it's a very popular hobby to collect the old um, road memorabilia. Mm -hmm. Sure. We're finding that the, uh, the people that do so are just as enthusiastic about that as car collectors are. And so uh, we're, we're probably going to have two or three road art only auctions next year as well. So what, what would cause something to be worth $235,000 of a sign? I mean, obviously yeah. if it's a one of or something, I could understand that. Is well, and it, yeah, it? it's, 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 it's one of at this point. Mm -hmm. um, it was pristine as new. Uh, completely wow. undamaged. The gentleman that bought the sign said that he had been uh, chasing that particular sign, not one like it, but mm -hmm. that identical sign for 18 years. Wow! And was glad to finally to finally catch up with it and add it to his collection. Are, do you are you familiar with the name? I mean, where is that? Germain. It's uh, Michigan. Oh, it's Michigan. Yeah, okay. it was a Michigan gas company. Do you have a favorite sign or favorite company that you used to follow? Well, I've. The, or you the, liked, or you just like the art? <laughs> we have one here that we just sold this morning. I really like the uh, the neon mobile Pegasus. We have one that we sold this morning that's actually uh, on a, on a rotation. So it spins around. If I had room for that in my garage, I'd have one of those. I'd imagine you also watch those. Do you watch those shows, for example, the guys that go through the countryside, the yeah, oh yeah. or oh whatever yeah. it is? Yeah. I mean, just the fact that they can come up with the craziest stuff and half this stuff. Talk about ultimate barn finds. Well, and I, if you if you watch like American Pickers, they, um, I think it's Frank on the show is mm -hmm. particularly into old oil cans. And I, I was always amazed as I watched that show about the oil cans that he finds and what he buys them for. And then we had our road art auction and we sold oil cans for five, six, seven thousand dollars for one oil can. And suddenly I have a new appreciation for <laughs> Is that with the oil in it or no? No, that's those are empty. Empty? So you don't even get the oil for that much wow. money. Yeah. It's it but it's it's like everything else. It's you know, if you're if you're enthusiastic and emotional about something and you're a collector, there are certain pieces that you just have to have that define your collection and and you know, sometimes it's not about the money. Well, you're absolutely right. And the fact that it's now spreading. I mean, obviously, it's more right. than cars what you're doing. You're starting to get into more paraphernalia, per se. Do you any idea where it's going to go beyond from this point? I mean, is there something you're looking at beyond that this can expand to? Well, I, I think we, Meekum Auctions, our brand has grown in popularity so much over the last four or five years that that we're, we're seeing a lot of pent-up demand domestically. And that's, that's why you're seeing an increase in 
in auctions that we have in the U.S. But there's going to come a time, I think, where we will have saturated our ability to deliver auctions in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to see a very strong following internationally. Some of that is, is, is due to um, international buyers and sellers that come to our auctions in the U.S., particularly from uh, Germany, Great Britain, uh, Brazil, and uh, Australia. And a lot of that is because our TV shows now with NBC Sports Network are now being distributed internationally. And so there's, there's starting to become a following and a pent-up demand in places like Germany that at some point in time, I think, uh, once we've saturated the domestic market, we have an opportunity to move uh, into the international market. And when we do so, we'll be able to do so with an already known brand rather than trying to build a brand and a business at the same time. Sure. We can build the business on the brand that's already recognized. Just as long as Scott Hoke and John Kramen have their passports <laughs> together. Yeah. You guys, you may not know this, but you're going to be moving sometime very soon, or at yeah. least taking some trips. I'll check and see what they think of bratwurst and beer. <laughs> I think they're good, though. I think they're good. I think they don't mind doing some traveling. That'll yeah. be fun with them. That'll yeah. be great. Very good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with us here. So now we're going to take this out for a spin, right? Uh, yeah, as, as soon as we can figure out what the, where the button to start this thing is, no one will <laughs> notice, really. We'll just pretend yeah, that yeah. we're taking it to the auction block. Well, electric, it won't make any noise. We can sneak out. Okay, well, just everybody, well, nobody's looking, so I think we're going to be in really good shape here very soon. Dave Majors of Mecham Auctions. Hey, everybody, if you haven't subscribed to us yet on iTunes, give it a shot. Do it now. You'll be alerted when a new podcast is uploaded. Also, give us a review. It's good for you, and it's good for us as we climb the rankings of iTunes Automotive Podcasts. And if you want to see what the Porsche 918 we're sitting in looks like, check out our video version of this podcast. You can see it on Facebook and on YouTube. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.